welcome to Vikings Happy Hour, where we mix our favorite beverage and talk of your Minnesota Vikings. Hello, welcome back. It's another week of Vikings Happy Hour, and tonight I am joined by my friend Miles from Climbing the Pocket and Ryan as well from Climbing the Pocket. Uh, Miles, I have not seen you in a very, very long time. Uh, how are you holding up over there? Uh, we got audio issues. Are you muted? I'm going to pass it over to Ryan because I can't hear you. Um, so I don't know what's going on there. Ryan, how are you doing? Doing all right. Uh, just preparing for the weekend. We were doing. We're supposed to be doing a trip up north this weekend, so we'll see. Um, you know, got to get all packed up and stuff. But excited to talk some football today, and uh, maybe have a couple of beverages <laughs> to help uh, help that um, the packing situation. So just pouring some yeah, pouring right now. You're good, Miles. I Perfect. can hear you now. Well, then I'm nice. going to throw it right back to you, and I expect you to have the same <laughs> thing that you you showed me. Oh, I have some key lime pie. What's Hell up? Hell yeah. Um, just chilling, man. Got, you know, life's been pretty busy, but, but things yeah. are going well. Well, I appreciate you making time, uh, hopping on tonight. Ryan and I are always here every Wednesday now. Well, so. I mean, I'll be up, I'll be up for a while, so it's all right. <laughs> I got some grief, uh, this, this past weekend. Uh, someone was asking me when I was going to finally name Ryan co-host, uh, but I don't want to make his ego too big so i'm just gonna <laughs> hold that from him for now <laughs> yeah we can't make that ego too big it's already big enough right now so <laughs> <laughs> yeah i saw you were getting into it a little bit today on uh on viking twitter oh just fun did it's you save fun. some of that fuel and that conversation for tonight well i mean all you have to do is say anything bad about oklahoma or kanye west and you'll get my you'll get my fire so <laughs> Dave, how are you doing tonight? I am doing well. Thank you very much. Drinking anything? Anything fun? Yes, as a matter of fact, I am drinking Bouillette Rye Whiskey. Oh, hell yeah. 45 Let's proof. Mm-hmm. Hey, we have something special tonight. Did you know that? Yes, we do. Ryan was gracious enough to offer up his tickets for this weekend's game, uh, Vikings versus Broncos, uh, uh, U.S. Bank Stadium. I almost said TCF Bank Stadium, but that is incorrect. U.S. Bank Stadium this Saturday at noon. Um, so for anyone in the chat, uh, feel free to, to drop your – there you go. Retweet, comment your Twitter handle or Facebook in the live show comments uh, and tell us who you'd take with you to the game. We have four tickets, so we want to try and select two winners. And, you know, if we can't if we can't get two winners, maybe we just give all four away. We'll see how it goes. So um, Good seats, uh, lower bowl, section 118, row 24. Uh, four, I think there's two seats from the aisle, and then it's the four tickets consecutive, or the four seats consecutive. So right off the aisle. Uh, great seats, end zone seats. Uh, I enjoy them for regular season. Just don't get a opportunity to go to all of the preseason ones. So I'm excited to give them away. Um, hopefully, one of these fans here on the show, um, you know, is free this weekend and wants to hit up the Broncos uh, Vikings game. 
get to see Teddy Bridgewater back in action along with everybody else. Um, well, let's, let's transition here into uh, the first topic of today. Um, I saw it scroll up past my feed on Twitter and uh, I'm going to steal it from our, our friend of the show, Eric from PFF. Uh, what is a franchise cornerback? Um, I think we hear the term used a lot about quarterbacks being a franchise quarterback, but what is considered a franchise cornerback and is there such thing as a franchise cornerback or at any position? Uh, Miles, I liked your response on Twitter, so I'm going to let you you take the lead on this one. Yeah, I think so for me, I think outside of quarterback, I don't like labeling any position as like a franchise position. Like most players, just like most quarterbacks, you have a lot of really good players on most teams. Like I've heard people throw the word like franchise right tackle out for Brian O'Neill. Brian O'Neill is a very good player. Brian O'Neill is not like a franchise level player though. Like really good player. I think and he should be locked up long-term. Um, same with like you go to cornerback, like, Xavier Rhodes at his best was like an elite shutdown corner, but he wasn't that good long-term for him to be like, for Zim to even keep him around. Like I just, like the word franchise for any position just feels really weird when it's not a quarterback because I, I, I just think it's overused because I, then I think we start putting players that aren't in a high level tier into a high level tier. Um, so I think Do you like, think that, there's outliers yeah. to that though. Like one of my examples when I was thinking about it today and it sounds really weird, but could Justin Tucker of the Ravens be considered a franchise player? No. And, and here's why, I, because if you think he really is that important to your team, then why is he not making more money? Like at the, in the at the end of the day, in my opinion, like I, I know positions all have their own, have their own thing there, but like, yes, there are certain players that are like, quote-unquote, like, franchise-altering players that aren't quarterback. Like, Jalen Ramsey, for example, would probably be, like, the one of the few, quote-unquote, franchise cornerbacks. But, like, why are we using the word franchise? Like, can't we just stick to the words, like, elite and keeping that as, like, the the barometer for, like, what we what the level of expectations for a player and ranking a player? Because outside of quarterback, because the word franchise for a quarterback is a lot different because you see – teams will stick with and pay a lot of money to actually a, a lot of quarterbacks, probably in like 10 to 12, 14 range that that many amount of quarterbacks in the league will end up sticking with the same team and getting paid and, and whatnot. Um, not all of those players are elite. Just like, you know, like the Brian, o, Brian O'Neill example, I, I've heard a few people call him a franchise right tackle. And like, what does that mean? He's not the best right tackle in football. He's not even the best, like he's not even the top like seven or eight best right might not even be like best 10 top 10 like he's a really good player I think Brian O'Neill is a really good player he is not that good to like left to like put him in a position to where you call him that and uh and I think that's okay but but for me I just don't I don't like throwing that word around um a lot I think I just think it gets overused well kind of in back-to-back weeks here on the show where we're tossing around or at least talking about a topic where the word is tossed around last week we talked about busts and how that word is kind of tossed around a lot. And <clears throat> I think Luke and Ryan brought up very good points of, you know, what does it even matter at the end of the day? What are we, what do we, what do we gain from calling a player a bust? What do we gain from calling a player, a franchise quarterback, cornerback, whatever? Um, 
So, Ryan, I don't know if you have the same thoughts. You're right, Raymond. Uh, different thoughts. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, I, I think people are trying to interchange that terminology with elite. I mean, I think they're trying to use as a as a interchangeable term, which. You know, if that's what you mean, if you think a player is an elite player at a position and you want to call them a franchise player, I don't really have an issue with that. To Miles' point, I don't think that Brian O'Neill is a franchise right tackle because I don't see Brian O'Neill on a trajectory towards like the Hall of Fame. So, like, yes, I'll say a quarterback's a franchise quarterback. Aaron Rodgers is a franchise quarterback. Um, I think a left tackle could be a franchise uh, left tackle. Uh, Orlando Pace is a franchise left tackle. Obviously, he's been out of the league for many years, but he stayed with the Rams, I think, pretty much his whole career. Walter Jones, same kind of deal with the Seahawks. Um, and, Joe Thomas. And Joe Thomas, absolutely. Like, these guys who are elite, like top two, top three in the position um, for the, a majority of their career, if not all of their career, um, I, I think you can put that label on them. Or if that player is the larger almost than the franchise, uh, a Calvin Johnson, you know, for example, yeah. is I think a franchise wide receiver because he was the Lions, right? Like Matt Stafford was the quote unquote franchise quarterback, but everyone knew the Lions because of Calvin Johnson, right? So again, I, I don't like to use that terminology as much as people like to as well. Again, I do not think Brian O'Neill's franchise guy. I don't think we have any player on our team right now that's a franchise level. Again, that would get that terminology from me personally. Jim, uh, that's a good. That's a there. Jim. Jim. Jim had a really good comment there. I think that I think it makes a lot of sense. The one, the one player that you think of for a franchise player, and and right now for the Vikings, you probably have two names. You're probably looking at Dalvin Cook or Justin Jefferson, right? And I think it's just yeah. subjective based off wh- whatever you think. You might, some people might think Kirk Cousins too. Like, um, you know, I might not think that same way, but I understand why somebody would say Kirk Cousins as well. Yeah, I think you need to almost have like um, a tenure with a team for uh, like a long period of time where you're almost the identity of that team. Um, I think that's really what it comes down to. Like I said, when and it's hard to say, like for I just said Orlando Pace, I would have considered the franchise left tackle um, of the Rams in that you know late '90s, early two two uh, thousands range. Um, but even then, I mean, he was still overshadowed by. Corey Holt, Isaac Bruce, Kurt Warner, and the greatest show on turf, right? So, uh, right. but Marshall he's Falk one of those guys. I will, uh, Marshall Falk, absolutely, right? So, like, all these guys, um, it, it's hard to get that full. But, I mean, if you're elite, you go to the Hall of Fame, you're with a team for X amount of years, and, and you're kind of thought of as one of the core staples of that franchise's lifespan, then I think that you could be considered a franchise player. Yeah, our, our producer Dave there uh, in the comments. AP was definitely the face of the franchise for a while. Um, Hunter's a good point too by Steven, but I just don't see Hunter like in would, terms of like <clears throat> players to build around. He's definitely and maybe and maybe that's more of a barometer, like a player you would build around. Again, like that elite high level. That's a little bit different to me than franchise. It, just the word franchise just throws me off because it's just such a like. It's just another, like, it's another scale level, but like, what's this, what's, what are you comparing it to? And for me, like the word elite is like the comparison for a franchise. And so I don't like to throw it around too often. And when people think of the Vikings, they don't think of Daniel Hunter across the league, like Vikings right. fans. Yes. Sure. We may think he's the best player on our team. Absolutely. But 
you know, the casual fan, the casual Texans fan might not even know who Brian or sorry, Daniel Hunter is right. I mean, they do if they're somewhat a football fan, but they, you know, they'll know Dalvin cook because he gets fantasy points, Justin Jefferson, because he put the gritty on the map and he, you know, rookie of the year candidate. But um, yeah, I I don't, again, Daniel Hunter could be, but he's got to put up more and more kind of like JJ Watt did. Right. I think JJ Watt could have been considered that for the Texans because he won multiple defense players of the year. Um, he really was the face of that franchise for six, six, seven years. So defensively right now with Hunter coming off that injury, I would say that Eric Kendricks is probably more the, the quote unquote face of the franchise from the defense. Um, either that or Harrison Smith, but for some reason, Year in and year out, Harrison Smith is vastly underrated. Because um, he's a Hall of Fame you know, level player. That's and that's what we're that's what we've been talking about. Like yeah, he's a Hall of Fame level player. So like, yeah, he he is for sure. But sometimes when you put that out there, um, if they're not Viking fans, you'll get a lot of pushback uh, from just general or casual NFL fans that Harrison Smith is probably not. Um, a Hall of Fame player, but when you stack his numbers up to somebody like a Troy Polamalu, who everyone regarded as one of the best safeties in NFL history, um, Harrison Smith meets him or beats him in most categories. So, and we haven't quite seen a decline in Harrison Smith's play yet. So, uh, transitioning topics here. Let's move on to today. Uh, Denver came to town. Uh, what are you? What were you guys looking for uh, with the clips that we saw come through? Um, any takeaways from today's practice, and anything that you're looking forward to uh, coming up to this this weekend's game? Besides Blake Prohl's injury, which really sucks, it just we, we don't need to go too far into that down that rabbit hole. But um, he was having a good camp, from everything I've heard. Um, you know, some people I know uh, that have been to, to practices and, and and reporting and all that. Um, they, I've been told that he's been one of the top five receivers in, in camp. So, um, you know, the, 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 the coaches and team might think differently, but you know, but whatever, um, he was definitely a guy that you could have tried, probably tried to stash on the practice squad. You know, I don't know what the injury extent looks like if it's for the year, um, you know, then they can stash him and, and hopefully he's good to go by next year. Um, but either way, you know, I hope he's okay. Um, that wide receiver depth just keeps getting depleted. Um, and you know, BC Johnson first. And I, again, don't know what the extent of Blake Pearl's injuries, but hate to see that, um, you know, non-contact injuries like that. Well, we can shift topics a little bit here because I was going to ask you guys when I was looking through the depth chart that was released um, and maybe I just misread it in terms of it's just for this week's game and, and nothing else. But, you know, I did see DD Westbrook pretty low on the wide receiver depth chart. And then he just wasn't in the the punt return debate uh, though i know he still is fielding punts today so are we at a situation yet where we need to think that westbrook is is on the roster bubble or do you think he's solidified you want to go first ryan I, or you want me to uh, we, we know ryan yeah i mean i think that they're yeah I think that they're really just trying to ease him back in. They're not trying to rush him. They understand that he tore that ACL in October, late October. And, um, 
you know, why rush him back? You, you have a lot of tape on him, on what he can do as a player. Um, and especially his position coach obviously has spent, you know, his whole career with that position coach. Right. So um, I, I think that they know what they have in him. They want to give some of these other guys run, not further risk that injury. Um, and again, it sounds like based on what the um, special teams uh, coordinator had mentioned that Didi is kind of a natural back there at the punt return. So um, I, I think they're going to give some other guys run. I think uh, Abdullah was both kick and uh, punt return starter. Um, and then on the wide receiver front, you know, I think they listed Osborne and BB as, you know, three and four at wide receiver. And then DD, Amir Smith, Marset and whatnot at, uh, on that, um, that kind of the next fifth, sixth, seventh range with Blake Prohl. So, Personally, again, I just think that they're putting him down that depth chart just because he hasn't practiced. Uh, maybe pick up some of these other guys's, you know, confidence a little bit. Um, really, in my opinion, you know, and I think I saw uh, Stephen ask the question with Smith Smith Marset. Um, you're not going to let a talented kid like that hit the practice squad. I can't imagine. So, you know, with you know our two starters uh, and then KJ Osborne coming out of nowhere with a phenomenal camp, uh, Didi Westbrook, Smith Marset. Um, there, that really leaves one spot that, that BB uh, is now kind of sitting in, right? I mean, you, you thought maybe Blake Prohl could uh, push for him a little bit. Um, you think that, um, you know, maybe uh, BC Johnson would have pushed him a little bit. But, you know, with these injuries, it's looking like BB is probably going to make this team as a six receiver if they decide to keep a six receiver. But again, he doesn't really provide much value um, on special teams, unless he's a punt uh, punt returner, and if that job's likely going to go to D.D. Westbrook, um, and he wasn't good at that, you're right. So if that if that's going to go to D.D. Westbrook and or even K.J. Osborne or Abdullah, um, that doesn't really provide you know much need for BB outside of you know depth at receivers. So. Uh, we'll see. I, I don't think uh, Didi is on the bubble because I think they knew what they were getting into when they brought him on, and they probably had this set as kind of a plan. Um, he's not on the pup list, so clearly they must think he's close because um, otherwise I don't know why they wouldn't have put him on there right away. So That's a good point. I think, too, yeah, I think- so two things, on, two things on that about the Westbrook situation. The, the depth chart stuff you're seeing right now is just all about what the, what the coaches are seeing right now. So uh, I don't think it doesn't fully project into the to week one. I think people overreact to to seeing a team's depth chart. It's on they they label it unofficial for a reason. This is basically a, this is what we're seeing from our guys right now. If we had a game tomorrow, these might be our starters. Um, I view the kick and punt return situation very fluid. Um, Abdullah is the guy that they've quote unquote trust the most, even though he hasn't really been a punt returner since he's been in Minnesota. Um, he's been primarily the kick returner, and they've kind of fluctuated. Uh, different people to punt return. But um, to, to Ryan's point, I think the two points about Westbrook, special teams wise, he, he made the comment about Ficken. Um, they very much, in my opinion, view Westbrook as their guy at punt return. Uh, le- like Ryan said, just need him to get healthy. Um, wide receiver wise, I mean, a guy like KJ Osborne, maybe even a Chad Beebe right now, they're practicing, you know, they're showing things. So they're, they're giving the coaches an opportunity just to gain more faith in them. And they don't technically have that faith in Westbrook yet. Not saying Keenan McCardo doesn't, all those things. It's just more about once you get onto the practice field and can prove it, then we'll be able to you know, make a projection on what we're going to do with you. They can't make that right now. Like to Ryan's point, yes, they have the tape on him. They know what he can be. But he's coming, up, he's coming off a torn ACL. So it's not like he's just coming off of a you know, regular injury. You got to see him 
work his way back. And if he can work his way back and be the guy he was before or whatnot, then you'll see him become the third, the the third receiver that, you know, the top backup essentially. And so um, we just, we still need to see it. And hopefully it sounds like it won't be this week, but maybe in a week, uh, preseason two or preseason three game, he, he's playing. If we're seeing some of that, then obviously heading into week one, that's when you're going to start expecting uh, Westbrook to ramp it up. And um, with these injuries, it just leaves the Vikings needing more um, veteran depth. And Westbrook gives that. Even a BB gives that because we've seen BB as he's played. I'm not a BB fan. I'm not a BB guy. But the one thing that they do is they trust BB to know his assignment and they know what role that he can play. And so, um, so for me, those guys, those, those guys are, are shoe-ins right now, especially with the two injuries. Um, uh, Smith-Marset, a fifth-round pick. I think unless he can figure out how to work his way on the special teams a little bit more, like Zim was saying, um, I don't think they're going to cut him because, again, with the depth and all those things, I think they're going to have a hard time cutting him uh, because he, he, did, he did allude to him being uh, a good receiver. But what Zim wants out of his, his backup receivers is to be good on special teams, just like running backs – which is why Amir Abdullah has stuck around for as long as he has is because he may not be a primary running back, but he's really good on special teams. And so um, he needs that from his depth receivers. And so um, it makes sense. And if Smith-Marset kind of – I think on Saturday we should hopefully see Smith-Marset, Smith Kenny Nwangu. Um, hopefully those two guys are um, battling out for that kick return job. I think those are the top two guys for that role. Um, and, yeah. Uh, back to uh, one other injury. It looks like uh, Mackenzie Alexander. I don't know much about that, but I I was with the Jeff Gladney situation and him getting cut. I was a little bit worried about the depth at nickel. So that's something I would monitor a little bit, uh, especially if Mackenzie's out for, you know, even a short amount of time, because you're going to see maybe like a Harrison Hand or a, Bre a Brashad Breland move into the slot. And they're just not, that's not, I think Hand can be okay, but Hand's not, hasn't proven enough to give you confidence. Yeah, those are solid Oh, Dan points. Chisna. I forgot about Dan Chisna. Ugh. <laughs> I guess he's looked okay, though. I guess he's looked okay. Yeah, I, I can't I can't say too much. Yeah. I guess he's looked okay. Yeah, I mean, w when you think about Dan Chisna and then, like, K.J. Osborne, those are two players from last year, which were scapegoats in a lot of scenarios, and uh, apparently they're having – we know K.J. Osborne's having a good camp, but apparently, yeah, Dan Chisna is as well. Um I know special teams isn't really super fun to talk about, but um, I just want to comfort right now with the kicker. It's so hard. It's so, it's just so it's just one of those well, situations. It's so hard to like. It's just so hard to know. Like one day Joseph's doing really well, the next day he's doing shitty. I mean, it's the kicking position. I mean, Joseph. Neither of the guys are. Has a lot of has a lot of experience. Uh, I think mm -hmm. Joseph hasn't kicked in a game since 2019. I mean, we'll see preseason. I mean, the preseason is really going to be the, the the stage for these guys. Um, as of right now, I mean, it's obviously going to be Joseph, um, unless something drastic changes. And what Dave said, you know, I think. Well, I think that Riley Patterson's kicked really well since he's got off the pup list i don't know about today i haven't heard anything today i didn't really pay that much attention unfortunately to the kicking situation uh because we had some other you know more pressing situations that popped up but um yeah i you know you're always going to be concerned unless you have justin tucker you know harrison butker 
um, you know, those type guys, you're, you're, you're not going to really feel that comfortable uh, with your kicking situation, regardless of who's going to be the starter this year until we see them knock through a game tying or game uh, ceiling, you know, extra point, uh, long field goal, um, whatnot in a regular season game, and maybe even in an important regular season game, right? Uh, so I, I don't see that really uh, feeling any sort of level of comfort until we get to that point. But yeah, I mean, again, I'm, I'm hearing Patterson's kicking really, really well. Joseph's got the more of the tenure in the NFL, but I don't think it's great tenure. Uh, he didn't kick well for the, I remember he didn't kick well for the Browns uh, when uh, Baker was a rookie. I just remember following that team, obviously because of Baker and he did not kick well for that team so um and they ended up going to their practice squad practice squad kicker who also did not do well um so uh you know it's just nothing you're going to feel comfortable with until you have a guy locked in so I feel like there has to be some regret with how they handled the Daniel Carlson situation they were so I mean because he's been he's been good since he's left here. And I don't know if it was a special teams Zim- thing. What were you going to say? I don't think Zim regrets it. I think, I think Zim, I think Zim might regret how he handled it. I don't think Zim regrets getting rid of Carlson at the time. I really don't. It was game. It was week two though. That is, I mean, that's kind of soon to just say, screw it. I know. I, I know it costs I agree. a whole game. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I just think Zim, Zim's the type of guy that doesn't want. I, it's hard to say not worry about your kicker, but Zim doesn't want to have to deal with fragile kickers, like guys that can't handle criticism and those things. And that, and Carlson at the time in in preseason and uh, during camp just wasn't cutting it in that way. And they were they were very much where you know they brought Kirk in Kirk in that year, coming off of the NFC Championship game. So there was a lot of pressure for for Zim to want to get back and, and to be successful. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying what he did, how he handled it was good or the right way, but I, I think he's okay. <laughs> okay. With not having Carlson. I really do. I mean, they'd be looking to pay him right now and you shouldn't pay kickers. So this <laughs> so might be in the same situation anyway. Uh, yeah. Some, I didn't necessarily prep you guys for, but uh, I trust your guys's uh, responses here. Christian Derrissaw, at what point do we start becoming concerned? Um, I think it was Dave, honestly, in a, in a show in July. Uh, he called out Rashad Hill being the week one starter, uh, A, because Derrissaw was coming back from injury and just, you know, the Vikings trust Rashad Hill for at least a couple of weeks. But here we are, four weeks away from kickoff, and Derrissaw has not really had any meaningful reps out on the the field with the ones um, sounds like he's got a, just a nagging injury. And at, at what point do we start becoming concerned uh, that we won't have him for a while? Ryan, I'm not overly concerned. Yeah. I'm not overly concerned just given the fact that again, you're, you're bringing a guy back from injury, you know, injuries are unpredictable. You can't really, fault that I'm not concerned that he's like a bust uh, again going back to that word that we talked about last week like I'm not I'm not concerned that he's not going to be a good option long term sure he's got this injury he's not getting the reps he might not get that ability to start week one which is okay uh, again that's why we re-sign Rashad Hill and that's why we have a solid swing tackle for these situations um, 
I, I still stand by my my review and, and my analysis of what Darazak can bring to the table. He just needs to get healthy. And soft tissue muscle ish injuries are the worst. I mean, hamstrings, quads, groins. I mean, all of those injuries are literally the worst. I won't even touch a fantasy player um, if 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 he has that type of injury early in the in the season, or I mean, sorry, early in the training camp because I those things linger. And I'd much rather him get healthy, ease him into the action before you, you know, put him out there and risk a, a more serious injury that requires surgery or something like that, uh, that further delays his his recovery and his um, development. So, you know, take your time with him. If he needs to start halfway through the season or a quarter of the way into the season, that's okay. And if he doesn't start at all, that's, again, I know first-round picks need to start in the NFL nowadays. But get this guy right. You don't want to ruin him mentally. You don't want to ruin him physically. Let's make sure he's ready before we uh, throw him out there. This has always been my thing with rookies. I think we give too much – we put too much pressure on rookies. Um, I've, I've always said if you think a rookie is going to be the main reason you win a Super Bowl or get make a deep playoff run, you're, you're, you're doing it wrong. I mean – a rookie might be able to come in and be a heavy, a, a, a main contributor for you. And that's what you want. Those are good things. But to like expect a rookie to be a high level player for you, like they're like, like Ryan said, bringing Rashad Hill was important, bringing him back on the cheap um, because you know what you have in him. Um, I don't think Rashad Hill's like a, a Riley reef level left tackle. He doesn't have to be, but he knows the system. Um, he's pretty good in pass pro. And that's in my opinion, the most important part of it. Um, and you know, I, I think they can get by without Darius. I mean, the rookies in general, you're not going to see a lot of contrib- contribution from the rookies early on in the season in general. And I think we put too much pressure on these guys. Like I heard people talking about, uh, Wyatt Davis as like a bust already too. Like, let's give these guys a little bit of time. I mean, they're a lot, the rookies are about long-term. It's not just about one year. If you want a one year yep. fix, we're talking about Patrick Peterson, Xavier Woods, you know, we're talking about, you know, all the one-year rentals that are already established. Exactly. And so to focus on the rookies as if they're already like, yeah, they might be behind the eight ball a little bit. But my whole thing is as long as you can get these guys in some preseason games, get get them some, like, live reps against, you know, other competition, I think that's going to be important. Um, Adarisov, for example, is just give him – like, I I compared this situation to Brian O'Neill. I said Rashad Hill's probably going to start unless Darisak comes in and he looks he looks ready to go and he might have looked he might have been or, or looked ready to go if he was fully healthy. We don't know the answer. It almost doesn't matter because you have Rashad Hill who can step in and be that guy. But if he do, you know once Darisak's up to speed, the Vikings sh- should feel comfortable enough to put him out there. So I wouldn't worry about him or any of the other rookies right now. Yeah, you want to see something, and the one thing I have said is I'm kind of sick of not having some of the mid mid tier mid uh, mid round guys not being like contributors cuz it's kind of annoying that not the Vikings haven't been able to really find a gem like a you know that gem in the uh, diamond in the rough type thing um it's been a while so um, you know it's it's yeah. funny cuz i mentioned in the draft process like right after the draft and even on this show you know a few weeks back and then i mentioned it again last night on on in the huddle um that Wyatt Davis is a third round pick for a reason. I know he was touted as a first round pick at one point in time. 
and I know and on all that, but clearly he had re- all teams, all 32 teams had some sort of reservation to take him earlier than that. Third round picks are not players that are supposed to be first year starters. Sure. Is it nice to right. be able to get somebody who uh, is a diamond in the rough? Like you said, miles. Yeah. That, be great uh we had that in cameron dancer last year like he obviously came in and contributed as a rookie and that's a pleasant surprise uh but you can't to. expect every third round pick. Yeah, last year's well he was yeah, you're, right. <laughs> you're right but again i mean even so like you don't expect these guys to come in and play at a high level i should say and right. so no, why davis you know i i told fans like temper your expectations because he's a third round pick for a reason and 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 then oliudo comes in and by all accounts so far, he's kicking ass. So, you, you you know, let's let him get some run. We spent three years developing this guy. Let's see what he's got. Right. And, I mean, I think he was a six-round pick. There's not that much difference of a value in the third and a six-round pick. So let's see what we got in Ole Udo. And who knows? Uh, my biggest concern, I mentioned this last night, my biggest concern on the offensive line is not left guard or right guard. It's not right tackle or left tackle. It's still the center. I'm still concerned about Garrett Bradbury. And I know I shouldn't be because he's like, what, the, well, one of the two established starters on this line. But I, he's my biggest concern. I hear Michael Pierce is beating him up. He's beating him up quite a bit in practice. And there twice a year. So I, I'm still concerned with him being able to, um, to, to hold up against that pass rush uh, of these bigger nose tackles. So in, in all reality, that's what I would be most concerned about, not whether Wyatt Davis or Christian Darius are playing early. I right. Well, and, that, yeah, go ahead, Matt. Yeah, I was just going to say, I do think that when we think about our diamonds in the rough uh, in the past here, we think of probably Daniil Hunter, Stefan Diggs, even Adam Thielen. Um, and I think what fans forget is when those three got here, like Diggs really had to earn his starting spot. Thielen had to work his ass off through tryouts just to even get where he was. Daniil Hunter took a little bit of time to get where he was. And so I think you can have an expectation that you want one of these later round picks to maybe develop into a a big contributor, but to have them start that way from the get go is just, it just rarely, rarely happens. I don't think you see it. I mean, even if you want to look at Tom Brady, right? Sixth round pick, he didn't get to where he was for a while. Um, and so I think in that regard, fans do need to, to temper their expectations. Uh, Miles, I want you to take the question uh, from Raymond. What do you think if Udo can be the long-term starter? If, if Udo is good enough to be the long-term starter, that's great. I don't, that's, that's not a bad thing. What is this? I think the only concern you might have is this, what, year three for Udo? So you're looking at mm-hmm. – are you looking at getting him a, a contract extension? So there's, there's a little bit of that to think about. Um, I mean, you don't know what that number could look like. If, if he plays really well, it could be a decent number. Um, but you at least have two years to see that. Um, so for me, I think it's, it's never a bad thing. I mean, again, that's another one of those diamond in the rough type of situations if that happens. If Ole Udo becomes your long-term right guard starter, start at right guard, that's not a bad thing. And if Wyatt Davis just has to be depth and earn his stripes and earn an opportunity, and it, that just, that's even better just because then you – you, you start creating better depth for yourself, yourself. Yep. And that's what the whole point of like, you want some of these mid to late round guys to be, you want them to be really good depth. So whether it was a Wyatt Davis or an Oli, Oli Udo, you want one of those guys to step up and take the job and be good. 
and you would like the other one to be a good backup and so or a potential starter i mean maybe why davis becomes and maybe both guys become good enough to where they both should be starting that's a good problem to have because they're cheap they're young and you want to and you want to work with them and you want to see what they have long term and so that could mean maybe they start giving why davis more reps at, at center because maybe they're trying to get him on the field maybe they want to see if he can be a cross-trained player because the one thing the vikings do with their backup position players is they want to see them be position flexible because you never know where they might need to go in. And so the one thing the Vikings don't really have, I mean, so this is where I think Dakota Dozier makes the team. I think he makes the team because they know what they have in him and mm-hmm. from a, they know he knows the offense. They know, and they know that they could play him at both left and right guard. I'm not saying it's like, Oh, that should be the guy that they keep around. I'm saying it as like, a, as if you're a coach and you're looking for someone to trust, you're going to keep going back to the guys you trust. And Dakota Dozier is that for this team, whether whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, you at least know you could throw him out there and he knows the plays, he knows the system, he could do all those things. Well, maybe Wyatt Davis could become that guy, you know, and that just makes Dakota Dozier even more expendable. So with Wyatt Davis, if he's not going to start, he's going to have to cross train a little bit. And that's not anyone's like, I know people get upset with the coaches being like, oh, stop moving these guys around. Well, what if Ezra Cleveland gets hurt? Who's going to play? I, would you rather have Wyatt Davis Try it or Dakota Doge. Like you need to have somebody that can go out there, right? And so you need to have guys that can step up. And so um, I know we're talking about Ole Udo. I, I think it's it'd be a good thing in it. You know, I mean, I don't think it's – it just adds more talent to your team. I mean, if he can become uh, a, a solid right guard for you. Yeah, and in a, in a spot that we need that depth. Um, right, exactly. <clears throat> we uh, We kind of cruised through – everything I had planned to talk about, uh, which is, which is not a bad thing, right? Just efficient. It's an efficient show, an efficient happy hour. Maybe we have to get home and, and do well, some how about, things. How about but, practice? <laughs> how about practice today? What, what do you think of practice day, Matt? Just in general? Well, sounds yeah, like well, that's both my offenses suck, but yeah. So I haven't really tuned too much into it. I have been busy with some other stuff and I will, I'm going to pick up, uh, the, the training camp stock report tonight, uh, but from what I heard, you know, just average play across the board, a lot of the players looked hyped up, which you love to see. You know, I think I think Zim alluded to it in his presser that, you know, when you're when you know who you're going up against every day in practice over training camp, um, maybe the effort isn't quite matched. And so when you get some fresh blood in there from a new team, uh, everybody's competitive juices start flowing and and you just want to go out and and prove people wrong. I heard there was a fight within like the first 10 minutes out there. Um, I forget who the players involved were, but you know, that's always fun to see. I remember back when the chiefs used to come up uh, to Mankato for a little bit and play the Vikings. Um, you know, I always, I always kind of like seeing that stuff and then they'll just carry it over into, into Friday or Saturday's game. So uh, which was going to lead me to ask you guys, you know, what are you looking forward to in that game? Or what should you take out of a, a first preseason game? We have no idea how long the starters are even going to play, but um, are there particular players you're keeping an eye on? I know Miles mentioned Amir Smith-Marset, but Ryan, you look ready to go. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that there's a lot of there's going to be a lot of intrigue to see kind of what this new rebuilt uh, secondary looks like, right? 
especially because the Broncos have quality receivers. Obviously, we don't know how long Cortland Sutton, if he even does play, I'm not sure if he's, um, you know, play, you know, doing full speed yet with after that injury he had last year. Uh, but Jerry Judy, uh, KJ Hamler, T- Tim Patrick. I mean, they got a lot of depth in that wide receiver room, and uh, we have a brand new you know outside of cam dantzler and harrison smith we have a brand new secondary so i just wanted to see what they were going to be able to do i saw i think it was sean borman or um or will raggett's um one of those two tweeted out that our defensive line was crushing their offensive line which is great great to hear because that's also a revamped you know line but i hear that they were killing our secondary so obviously we can't, you know, sack the quarterback in these situations. Right. Um, so it sounded like their secondary was, you know, getting open and that's not a great thing to see, but again, I, they're just getting in the, in the feel of it and in the swing of things. So I'm excited to see that. Uh, hopefully the starters play at least a couple series um, just so we can get to level set where those guys are at. Um, and then I, I, I want to see where our offensive line is again. I don't think that Von Miller and Bradley Chubb are going to play too much much this uh, Saturday, but it would be nice to see, you know, how that, you know, offensive line holds up against those guys, Shelby Harris. I mean, they have a pretty good defensive line and, you know, rush, rush, because I know they run a three, four, but, you know, I I wanted to see that as well, because again, Ole Udo does need to get tested. He looks great in camp. That's fantastic. And he's holding up against our big boys, but in real live game action, I want to see what he's looking like. Um, yeah, I think those are probably my two most exciting things I want to look for. Um, I'm not going to be able to watch the game live, likely, um, so it's going to have to be a, a watch back. So hopefully, I don't get too much stuff ruined on Vikings Twitter, but we'll see. We'll see. I I did see that um, that Oli Oli Udo had quite the the play against one of the the Broncos D linemen. I think he he got, he got out in space and kind of blew somebody over. So that is always fun to see yeah he had a really good uh he had a really good seal block um he he, uh, really created a big lane for um um madison in one play where he got up into that second level sealed off the edge and and create a really massive hole really for madison to run through uh he basically had to be to safety at that point which that's what you hope you're that's that's the best case scenario you can hope for is uh if he's not going to just be wide wide open one-on-one versus a secondary player and just hope that your running back can make that move or bowl him over and, and keep running. So um, I liked what I saw out of that because that was an actual um, – I think that was a pull. So um, mm-hmm. they, ran, they ran a counter to the right side, and he had to pull out. And he was moving, which is good because that was one of the concerns is, is he athletic enough from a guard standpoint to get out there in space? And he, he Only was able to do it. Yeah, I, I know, I think, but he's, I think a, that's he's a big guy. So I think people are just concerned that <clears throat> even though he's athletic for that size that, you know, I mean, kind of the same concerns we had when I was evaluating Cody Ford uh, back in, in the draft is he was a big dude, even though he's athletic, he's a, still a big dude. Can you get out there? And uh, Oliudo put that the rest of him today. Because it was the, yeah. it was the unique size and athleticism that he brought to the table, which they were like, yeah. holy shit, we got to get this guy in our, our wide zone scheme. Um, I don't think they planned for him to be at right guard, but um, that's where he is now. Miles, what are you looking for this weekend? Um, And if another receiver goes down, will you be playing in the next preseason game? (laughs) Uh, Just answer that for that last question. No, Um, uh, no way. Um, You don't want to see that anyways. Um, But, 
But for me, I think I might. A, I might want to see that. <laughs> no, no, you don't. Um, for Saturday, actually, when it comes to the starters, I would use maybe like today and tomorrow's practices as like the the real test uh, in the in the like um, uh, simulated scenarios, like in the uh, in the team scenarios and team situations, and follow the the team reporters that are that are you know making notes from both the Broncos and the Vikings side and kind of get hear what they're seeing. If you're not there yourself, because I think when it comes to the starters, you're not going to see much from the starters on Saturday. Uh, I wouldn't expect much, maybe you know, one series, and then they're out. So I would use yeah. this practice as kind of the guide to truly see and evaluate that. So um, because they're going to be getting more reps in, in practice in there on Saturday against the Broncos. So um, I would just use that. Um, but for me, I'm kind of just looking for I want to the backup quarterbacks. Obviously, I want to see Kellen Mond now that he's back from COVID. Um, Jake Browning to see if he could build off of, you know, what he was able to do, um, while those guys were out. Um, and then the, the wide receiver positions, I always want, I'm, I'm always having uh, a vested interest in, you know, can KJ Osborne really show out, you know, against, you know, someone not the, in the Viking secondary, right. I don't, I, yeah. I didn't really hear much about him today, but doesn't mean he was bad. I just didn't hear much. Um, you know, I want to see him. I want to see if, uh, you know, can Chad Beebe continue to be, you know, there have been good reports on him. Um, you know, we kind of know what he is, you know, but still, you know, you, you like to see if a guy can progress a little bit. Um, and then just some of the, like Amir Smith-Marset's the, the obvious guy I want to see on Saturday, see how he competes and how he does. Um, but then the tight end position is another one for me that I think sneakily has poor depth. I mean, you obviously have Irv Smith and Tyler Conklin. They're locked in as your top two guys. They're both uh, pretty good. I mean, I think the the reports out of Irv Smith, I, I've heard at times Irv Smith's been the best player in offense. And that doesn't mean he is the best player in offense, but I've heard that's how good he's looked. And that's a good thing. That's great. You know, if you can if you can get a high-level play out of Irv Smith, that's fantastic. Um, yeah. But where my issue lies is, like, who's that third guy? Because what, what we always had with Kyle Rudolph when they drafted Irv Smith, they had Tyler Conklin as a third guy as he progressed. But Tyler Conklin was a solid third tight end. Um, and even last year, especially they probably, they might've had, you know, some of the best tight end trio in the league. Um, now they don't really have that. And that's not to say Zach Davidson can't become that guy. I just don't think he's there yet. I mean, he's pretty raw. He's coming from a small school. Um, might've been overdrafted a little bit. That's okay. Um, I think he's just the kind of guy that needs a little bit more of a red shirt. That's not a bad thing, but they don't really have a guy to come in and, and do the, to step up and be a tight end to, or to, you know, come in for jumbo packages and be a third tight end that um, they don't really have that right now. So if Conklin gets hurt or Irv Smith gets hurt, what do they do? Do they, do they roll out more 11 personnel, you know, three receivers? That'd be my ideal situation if that were to happen. Um, but they still need to probably need another tight end. So um, I just want to see how the depth guys, Zach Davidson, Brandon Dillon, um, how those guys look uh, on Saturday as well. So uh, kind of where I'm looking at. And the, and yeah, the and pass rushers. I've tried, tried to say pass rush, too. That's a that's another big one. Yeah, and that's really what these these games are for. It's it's for the coaches to kind of view them. And starters, we know what they are. Um, but I think you bring up some good points with that tight end group. And then at the end there, that those pass rushers. Um, I know Stephen Weatherly was was the number one defensive end opposite Hunter on the, the unofficial depth chart. But uh, we've heard some good things about uh, Jones and – uh, Robinson Wanham. as well. So yeah. And, and DJ Wanham, um, you know, I listened to Matthew Collar and, and Courtney Cronin the other week, uh, purple insider 
really rave about them uh, utilizing DJ Wanham and his skill set um, back from when he was in college, that athleticism, he can kind of drop back in coverage. So uh, I'm excited for Zimmer to, to dial up some, some cool looks this year um, instead of back when he was dropping Everson Griffin in, in coverage. Those, those were some rough days. So I want to thank you guys uh, for both hopping on tonight. Um, I think in a couple weeks I want to have you back on and maybe do roster predictions. Uh, maybe we can all come to the show with some roster predictions if that would work for you. Um, and then I think we have some special guests lined up uh, coming up in the upcoming weeks here. So that will be fun as well. Um, I didn't see anybody in the chat put their handle or their Facebook thing. So Ryan, we're going to have to figure out another way to give away those tickets or uh, you're going to have to figure out how to get rid of them. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, yeah, if, uh, if anyone wants those tickets, let me know. You can hit me up on Twitter or again, drop your uh, information here in the chat and we can uh, make sure that we get, you know, get those to you. Otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I might just have to pawn them off to some random persons. So we'll see. Uh, Mary, thank you for hopping on again tonight. Everybody else in chat. Uh, Dave, question for you before you take us home. Are we launching our first Climb in the Pocket postgame show this Saturday? That's the plan. Got it. But plans can be deviated from. But that is the plan. That after the game, now the question is who gets to watch it? I'm still trying to figure out how I'm going to watch the game, but that is the plan. Okay. I will bring my laptop with me in anticipation. So, ah, that'll be good. Now we are scheduled to have Vikings hot takes tomorrow. Uh, where we ran into a bit of difficulty, but we hope to have that revised. You will see a tweet about the normal time. If it goes on, it should. We have the questions already. We just need a one of the guys had to bow out. So, and then we'll back, be back. Hopefully, post game show, and then two old bloggers on Sunday. Let's go. Well, that's all we got tonight, then, ladies and gentlemen. So. Uh, Stay tuned for David's message, and then uh, if if not tomorrow, we'll see you Saturday or Sunday. As always, skull, everybody! Skull. Thank you for watching or listening. As always, if you like, subscribe, and ring the bell for notifications. And if you're listening to the podcast, please rate us on your favorite aggregator. Cool, everybody. Oh,